hello, hello, everyone. I'm Jason. I'm Laura. And welcome to Come Back a Star, a movie award breakout, break, breakout, uh, chain gang, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. It's going to be dreary. Yeah. What is it called when you escape from a chain gang? I guess an escape. Yep. Great escape. <laughs> Anyways, we are rating and reviewing every Best Picture winner and nominee from 1927 onwards. And this is episode number 043. I am a fugitive from a chain gang. More more movies should just be you asking the uh, the main actor what the movie is about. And he just tells you, yep, yeah, Paul Mooney was cornered at the premiere and he gave them the title. Yeah, exactly. So what is this movie about? I'm a fugitive from a chain gang. Uh, By God, we have a title, folks. <laughs> yeah, it's uh for some reason, I was really thrown off by the title. I was expecting it to be. I don't know. I thought that the, the title just threw me off for some reason. I don't know what I was expecting. Um, it doesn't sound like your typical uh, Oscar film. Like usually they have, you know, kind of pretentious titles or whatever. Whereas this is just very plainly states. I am a fugitive from a chain gang. Yeah, I guess it was based off of the book, which was I. I am a fugitive from a Georgia chain gang. I guess they didn't want to cheese off Georgia specifically, but uh, they did, though. They did. Oh, I'm sure they did. Um, It was banned in most of Georgia, I think. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's always helpful. That always gets the public on your side. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, I I guess today we're going to be talking a little bit about chain gangs because, uh, as you heard, that's the title of the movie, and they they aren't good. They aren't good, as I learned from this movie. Yeah, this movie is not very pro chain gangs, and I, I, yeah, you could see why. Yeah, I was on board with that to begin with. I, you know, putting people in chains just just to you know make sure prison is really awful for them is i don't know just not cool uh it's just i just don't think it's the best way to reform somebody no and it's it's funny because we were talking about this earlier that uh we this is not the first you know imprisonment movie that we've seen we also have seen the big house and we were thinking about how awful that was in this the soul-sucking boredom that these prisoners had to go through and that seems like a like you said a picnic compared to this right i mean neither are ideal environments but boy this really and it really coincides with the last podcast on the left had their series on alcatraz where you get to hear about some of the horrific treatments prisoners went through and they weren't even in a chain gang so Add chains to that and you have this movie. Right. It's um, it's an intense one. Uh, before we get too much Very farther intense. into it, uh, let's talk a little bit about what we do here on this podcast. Uh, first Bye of all, yourself. this is our first podcast using Zoom instead of Discord or just recording in person. Hopefully we'll be recording in person again pretty soon. Uh, we're yeah. now fully vaccinated and ready to go. So it's just a matter of uh, coordinating all those schedules and things like that. But hopefully the sound quality will be better on this one. It's been kind of bad on the past couple of them, but uh, hopefully Zoom will will help uh, fix the problems that we encountered. And yeah, and what we actually do here is um, we review the plot of the movie and we offer our little uh, side notes and, and quips, maybe. Or or just gotta love those quips. Or just jaw dropping disgust. Um and uh then after we've reviewed the plot, we go into some rating and we review we excuse me, we rate on uh, different categories such as acting, the writing, the cinematography, and overall how those elements work together to make an overall product. And then we give the movie a chance for some bonus points in things like costumes and set boldness, legacy, longevity, and any kind of like technical um, achievements that it has. And uh, we actually got some feedback from, 
from your mom, <laughs> of all people, <laughs> who uh, pointed out that in our review of Henry VIII, the the uh, secret pri- the private life of Henry VIII, that uh, we really should have talked about the makeup because the uh, the old age makeup, which I think we've been including in maybe technical, maybe costumes and set. I'm not sure. But uh, the makeup for Henry VIII in that movie does age. Whereas all of the women look exactly the same. So Anne of Cleves oh, yeah, looks yeah. exactly as she did when you first see her. Despite her having to oh, be yeah. like a young woman at that point. Yeah, I mean, the women have always got to be glamorous. Plus, I think it does a good job of showcasing how Henry VIII kind of became a uh, living uh, portrait of Dorian Gray. Right. Yeah, he just kind of disintegrated along with his morality. And I think that was dad uh, commenting under mom's Facebook. Oh, no. Again. Again. It's a thing he does. Tisk tisk. Um. So that's uh, that is the private life of Henry VIII, though. Now we're talking about this guy who is a fugitive from a chain gang, I understand. Um, yeah, and it's uh, definitely not in uh, old-timey England. It's in uh, old-timey America, Depression era. Yeah. Well, pre-Depression and, era is when this is set. Yeah, uh, I guess when we draw contrasts, we can say that at least this guy wasn't beheaded. And instead, you know, he, so what's he whining about? <laughs> exactly. And instead, we've graduated to people in chains, which I think even at the time, what I read is that a lot of people refer to it as medieval um, types of punishment. And when people were yes. pointing out how cruel this was, that's the that's the comparison that they drew was, you know, medieval Europe and it's insane so in a way, even more primitive than Henry VIII. Yeah, even even more so. Hooray. So you want to kick us off with the, the review here? Sure, let's go for it. Mervyn Leroy's I Am a Fugitive from a Chain Gang stars Paul Mooney as James Allen, a hopeful young sergeant returned from World War I. He doesn't want to go back to his office job at a factory. And despite the protests of his traditional brother, Reverend Clint Allen, played by Hale Hamilton, with his mother's encouragement, he heads to New England for a job in construction where his ambitions lie. However, work is scarce, and he soon finds himself hitching rides on trains to different towns, penniless. He meets a gambler named Pete in similar circumstances, who invites him out to a burger stand. However, Pete pulls a gun on both the proprietor and Alan, forcing Alan to take the man's money. They are caught by the police, and when Alan, in a panic, tries to make a run for it, he is apprehended and sentenced to 10 years on a chain gang. We've got our title, folks. Part of it, at least. Yeah, it's, um, you know, you know, this title of the movie going into it. So, you know, just from the very beginning that this promising young man is not going to end up well. Um, I had a couple of questions for you, actually. Um, Paul Mooney, what else does he show up in? Paul Mooney is really a f- sadly forgotten actor. He was kind of the considered to be sort of method before method, kind of the Daniel Day Lewis of his day. He was in a lot whenever you needed like intense character work, he was your guy. He was the original Scarface, um, for example, and he really got into this role. Um, he uh, actually kind of would put himself on, I think, a bit of a diet to kind of get that haggard look and uh, really studied and worked hard with the, what was his name? Robert E. Burns, the guy who escaped and right. was, the story was based on. Uh, he worked closely with him. Uh, he was also known, unfortunately, for, uh, I guess, the most respectful version of Yellow Face you could find in the 30s. He was in The Good Earth, uh, which was based on a Pearl S. Buck's uh, a novel about uh, about China that featured, of course, no Chinese actors. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, he like I said, he's kind of sadly forgotten today, but he was a, he was a big deal in the 30s and he was very, very good at this. 
Yeah, he did a good job here. And uh, as I was watching it with uh, Cassandra, Cassandra did keep asking, like, what else have I seen him in? He has to have been in something. <laughs> and, you know, of course, we, we had to stop and, and look up IMDb and nothing really jumped out. So I was a little bit surprised. We should uh, watch uh, the original Scarface one of these days. It's a it's a forgotten gem. It's very good. And uh, so that's Paul Mooney. And we also have everything starting off really well for him coming back from World War One. And the other point that uh, I was talking about with Cassandra was that I feel like if you survive World War One, you pretty much get to do whatever nonviolent thing that you want. Like you exactly. Get, you should pretty much get a freebie. You get to like rob one hamburger joint for free. I know. Yeah, I do feel like it was a bit of a cop out. You know, the real Robert E. Burns did like, you know, steal like five dollars and twenty nine cents. So that's why he was put away. And I'm like, you could have shown him actually steal something. And he still wouldn't deserve the treatment he gets at the hands of the chain gang. It's a bit of a cop out to make him just a total innocent stooge. Right, but, right. Uh, you know, yeah, the way this is just a perfect example of just how well, how horribly we've always treated our veterans, but how especially horrible World War One vets got it, especially once the Depression hit. Like this right. was around the same time that like Hoover was like forcibly moving uh, veterans right. who occupied Washington out and uh, shameful, can, very shameful. Yeah. And you can learn more about that on the Totalis Rankium Presidents podcast on Herbert Hoover as one of the very dark marks very, against his his yeah, uh, presidency amongst get a very high score yeah yeah that's uh that's among several things that he did poorly and also um we don't get to see him much but i feel like hale hamilton does an interesting job with the reverend clint allen because clint is kind of a bozo uh he, he is at this stage, at least. Yeah, he gets he seems to get into um, into the main character's face a lot just over. Over things that I feel like he, he must be an older brother or something like that, because the uh, <laughs> <he's> very pushy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For a while, it took me a second to realize he was actually the brother. because right. It does seem to be that age gap. <laughs> But yeah, very anti him uh, going out on his own and finding something that really sparks his interest. And of course, as you know, as the movie goes on, we do see his point because it is impossible for poor uh, Alan to find uh, work in construction or a steady work in construction. But it's still just kind of a bummer to like expect your your brother who just went through World War One to like just jump to your tune. So right, right, yeah. Again, like if. If you survive World War One, you get to do whatever you want. You you want to be exactly. want to work in construction, exactly. especially something as um, as mundane. It's not like he does talk about I want to build bridges and build things someday, but he's also willing to go out and just like do the hard work. Yeah, do the grunt work for it. I mean, it's not like he's like I am gonna fly a ship to the moon, like right off the bat. His his dreams are a little more reasonable than that. And I love the portrayal of how to get a job in the 1930s is fantastic. <laughs> or I guess the 20s, since it's being set a little bit earlier. But I mean, it's basically, hi, I'm a good man. Give me a job. Like, like that's it. Apparently okay. just being a, quote, good man is all the qualification you need for a job. No, no W-2 forms, no uh, proof of anything. No proof of who you are, really, which we'll get into. Um <laughs> But I mean, I guess more like construction site work, that's probably I'm sure hopefully for something that's a little more requires confidentiality. Like, I don't know, becoming a lawyer would be a little more difficult, but still, it's surprising and also just kind of disheartening when <laughs> you and I consider the hoops we had to jump through to get any kind of basic entry level job. Right. Starting out. It's like, yeah. Right, right, right. It's a uh, it's a different world, and people Absolutely. were a lot more trusting back then, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. And uh, in regards to the hamburger stand robbery, were you also really upset that he didn't even get to have the hamburger? 
Yeah, it's like get the hamburger first before you rob the guy. I mean, who would want to rob on an empty stomach? It's it's really sad. He was so looking forward to that hamburger. I know, and he does such a good job of like his face lighting up as soon as he sees that hamburger. And I know it's heartbreaking. This movie is a heartbreaker. It is, and you know what's going to happen. You know he's going to end up on a chain gang, but you're still you're still all messed up inside when it happens. I know exactly. And speaking of the chain gang, uh, life is brutal on the chain gang, and Alan is witness what? to endless atrocities. Uh, such as, for example, a sick man worked literally to death uh, yeah, after pleasant. witnessing an inmate named Barney, played by Alan Jenkins, leave the same day the dead man is uh, carted away. So, you know, good old Barney gets to walk out and it's harrowing because he still walks with the gate as if he had uh, chains on his feet. So he has been there for so long that his walk is still the same. Oh, that's awful. And uh, he walks out and another guy leaves in a coffin. So. And he hitches a ride on the coffin. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As as they're riding into town, he just kind of like hops onto the truck with with a coffin on it. It's pretty. It's a macabre setting. Nice little commentary on how they're basically just kind of going off to the same place of like, well, now on the outside, it's pretty much as good as being dead anyways. Right. Um, so at that point, Alan has decided that he's had enough. <laughs> yeah, he's been there like he's what? Like, get out of this. Scene. He hasn't been there long, but he's already kind of like, all right, this this is something to escape from. And yeah, he's got 10 years to look forward to with this for stealing a hamburger that he didn't even steal. And uh, he decides to make uh, an escape. And he does this while they're working on dismantling a railroad, I guess. And that is actually kind of a welcome change, because when we first see them, we just see them breaking rocks. And I don't know if there's any kind of like real reason to just be sitting around breaking rocks with a sledgehammer or if it's just pointless work. I no idea. They they don't go into why they're doing this. But while they're while they're breaking rocks, um, his friend points out uh, another inmate who is very accurate with the sledgehammer. And um This is also, we're going to get into this a little bit. This is a a black prisoner. So this movie does show they are, since it is Georgia, they're segregated. But it does do, I feel, a good job of portraying that this, that there are black people suffering in this too. Um, Right. And the guy who's uh, observing him says, yeah, they'll never let him leave. He's too good at his work. And, uh, this is an example of in this you know situation where men are considered disposable. Of course, the black man is going to be considered the most disposable. Right. And uh, it also did a good job, I feel like, of just showing them in the same boat. Like no one looks like yeah. like they should be there at all. And mm-hmm. that was I mean, it's not great. The you do see uh, you do see people of color who aren't in the chain gang out in like the group scenes and things like that. So that's nice, but they don't get any lines. This is the one character that gets lines, but at least um, at the very least, the one character of color who has lines is a hero. Really? Yeah. Um, He is. This inmate helps loosen Alan's chains. Um, by by basically by smacking them with a hammer while Alan is still wearing them. So that's kind of like the whole plot point of him being really accurate with this sledgehammer. Um, Yeah. He's like, please don't scream. I don't want to get in trouble either. (laughs) Right. And also, I mean, obviously it's because Alan is the protagonist, so everyone's doing everything to help him escape. But you also kind of get the sense that these men are willing to risk a lot of their own pain for this other person right. because they understand just how awful it is. 
like they hate this so much that they're willing to risk getting, uh, frankly, beaten themselves. Yeah. In order to help someone get out of it. So, yeah, I mean, you do find like uh, brotherhood in the most uh, appalling circumstances sometimes. And yeah, it's that guy who helps him by loosening his chains and his older inmate friend, Bomber, I think it is. He helps him by giving up seven dollars to him, which is we saw a more than more than uh, Alan allegedly stole, which was like five dollars. Of course. Yeah. And also, we don't know where Bomber got this money, but <laughs> No. <laughs> but he, he just has it and he gives him uh, a decent chunk of change just to get out and and make his way. So after after his chains are loosened, uh, the next day, Alan um, makes a break for it after kind of saying, like, I need to go to the restroom and, you know, go, goes off into a bush and is manages to slip off his chains and he makes a run for it and he throws the dogs off the scent by going into um, he steals some clothes from a nearby house and ditches the prison uniform. And he uses uh, a reed to breathe underwater and goes into the water. So it's very MacGyver of him. Oh, yeah, it's all you have to uh, suspend your disbelief just a little bit, but um, it's not completely implausible, I guess. Um, I mean, Robert E. Birds did escape somehow, so. Yeah. Oh, and, and these these uh, prison guards, they're shooting at him. It's a it's a great action scene and harrowing because you know what the price is that a, he's either just going to die, which, you know, is not going to happen because he's the protagonist. But, you know, you're wondering if this is going to be the time that he escapes and becomes a fugitive. He is also. um he kind of escapes to uh, a nearby city, which, of course, is going to be watched now that they have a fugitive. And he is able to uh, glean information of the police's whereabouts and how they're looking for him when he stops for a shave and overhears a local cop just discussing with the barber um, his own escape, which is, you know, again, pretty harrowing itself he's sitting there with the cop who's looking for him and he's just getting a shave. Um, and of course the line after is, you know, the barber asks, uh, is that a close enough shave? He's like close enough. Wink. Yeah. There's but a lot yeah. of little lines like that. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's also kind of shows how um, I thought anyways, he uses the $7 that bomber gave him to get himself a suit and to get the shave and, and look nice. And the he doesn't really get questioned at all. He doesn't he takes pains to avoid the police, but it's kind of like this police is not going to stop in and look at this guy getting a shave because he has a nice suit and he's getting a shave. So good old bomber with that seven bucks. Yeah. You know, as, as long as you put on a suit, you're you're golden. I mean, honestly, that's kind of the attitude. And helps that he's white. If uh, the prisoner oh, sure. who helped him escape was walking around, he would have been arrested immediately. <laughs> the, no matter how nice true. he looked. This is also very true. Um, so Alan, then, you know, still on the lamb, he reunites with Barney, who had walked out of the prison earlier on the uh, on the coffin truck. Uh, and Barney is staying at a boarding house where he spends the night with an agreeable Linda played by Noel Francis. This and little interlude of Yeah, very pre-code. Yeah, yes, yeah. Very. This this movie had some pretty uh, racy innuendo throughout. Oh, absolutely. The way they lingered on her ankles, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Risque. Alan narrowly escapes arrest and safely escapes town on a train, although constantly paranoid about arrest. Like, I thought something was going to come up from, uh, you know, the porter takes his ticket after he just uh, escapes the cops and tells him that they're on the lookout for a convict. And then the porter tells uh, is seen whispering to another porter and Alan looks very paranoid. But I think it's just 
an example of the fact that, you know, he can never be truly free when he's so terrified of, of being caught again. Right. Um, and they they almost catch him on the train, or at least he thinks they do, when they go running after a uh, a hobo riding the rails because they automatically assume yeah. that it's him. But he is dressed in a nice suit, so they don't even bother with him. Again, yeah, I mean, make sure you have a little cash on you if you're going to bust from the chain gang because it will take you far. Yeah, just, uh, just look dapper and you can get away with anything. Really? And be white. That's also very important. This is also true. Um, so he find, finally finds employment at another construction site under the name Alan James, which is just like, oh, that's not the most original name you could come up with. That is the reverse of your name, sir. Um, but he finds a room in a boarding house and the flirtatious landlady, Marie, played once again by our Glenda Farrell, cuts down her price. So he'll take it. Yeah. They enter a relation. Yeah. What else have you seen Glenda Farrell in? Just as a review. She was a late. She was a lady for a day as uh, Missouri, the nightclub singer. And uh, she was also in Little Caesar. Uh, That's right. When, as, as the dancer love interest of uh, uh, Douglas Fairbanks Jr. Um, so he and Glenda Farrell, a.k.a. Marie, enter a relationship that Alan considers only physical as he's quickly rising in the ranks in the construction business and starts studying engineering. This is not enough for ambitious Marie, however. She intercepts a letter from his brother, urging Alan to stay cautious as the cops are still after him. Marie uses this information to blackmail Alan into marrying her. So she's a she's a bit of a femme fatale, our Marie. Yeah. And also, let's get in. I literally just like yell at the screen. Clint. <laughs> Clint, come on. Sending a letter that says, like, make sure that you are, you know, staying away from police because you're still a fugitive from a chain gang. Oh, I forgot about that, Clint. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> Clint, you, you dolt. <laughs> I, I, you do kind of get the impression that both Allen brothers are a little too good natured for their own good. I mean, James Allen changes his name to Allen James, and then his brother writes him a letter all about his criminal doings. These guys aren't cut out for the criminal life. No, they're they're not they're not good at it. <laughs> yeah. And that's why Marie is able to sucker him into marriage. Yeah. It's, she is, she is not a nice person. No, she's she, not. She's, uh, she's very <laughs> aggressive with him from the very get go. And he kind of relents mm-hmm. at, you know, a few points physically. And, but at the same time, uh, she does kind of make him feel indebted to her or tries to do that from the very get go with like, well, I'll reduce the price of, oh, of yeah, places definitely. that you're staying. And so she's very. She's a predator. She, yeah, she has the flags of an abusive person and he should have found a different place to live. Yeah. And also she's going through his mail. Right. So she's just not a great person. No, not at all. Uh, I would not like her as a landlady. No, no, not at all. <laughs> she wouldn't like me either. I'm not a hot young man. That's true. But, you know, she'd find some other way to be abusive, I'm sure. Oh, yes. Soon, Alan has an office of his own and is a highly respectable civil engineer. He is invited to a fancy affair his boss is throwing. And this is, I guess, some some months weeks years after we're not sure after uh they've been yeah, married you see the calendar kind of flip through i think this is probably about two years past i think right and uh there's a little bit of hesitation with this invitation to the nice party because marie has proven to be a liability she is uh she she'd rather party and spend uh alan alan's money um and also kind of cheat on him rather than fill the role of like this respectable wife that 
is expected of her in one of these parties. I do have to say the funniest scene is when the drunk guy uh, calls asking for Marie and uh, says, so whatever you do, don't tell her husband. I like that guy played his little bit part very well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, irritating and pathetic. And you're supposed to think like, oh my gosh, what is she doing with, with this guy when she has, you know, the, the lovely hardworking Alan at home, but you know, that's, that's how it works out. That's, That's the kind of way. person that she is. Um, She's a swinger. So at the party, Alan meets the sympathetic Helen, played by Helen Visson, and quickly falls in love with her. He tries pressing Marie for a divorce and insulted Marie runs the police, actually, which I thought was a little bit. That is not in character for her. She would be more calculating than that, because if she turns him in she loses her meal ticket but she does but uh you know he insults her womanly pride by falling in love with someone else which i do have to say i think the, the this love story between uh alan and helen is a bit rushed we really don't get to spend much time with helen but it you know the plot has to move along quick i guess yeah i think they just have to highlight that he just will never ever have what he wants and what the audience feels he should deserve. Exactly. Never, ever, ever. And it's all because of this darned chain gang. So as a uh, Marie runs to the police and just as Alan is offered the role of keynote speaker at an important work event, detectives enter his office and arrest him. Wah, wah. Poor Alan. So, but however, Alan does immediately garner support from the press where he widely advertises the brutality he experienced at the hands of the chain gang. Uh, you know, the story of this, you know, highly respectable civil engineer who's uh, got such a cute apple pie face uh, really appeals to the press. And so they go with it. He is offered a pardon after 90 days if he turns himself in. And after discussing it with Helen, he agrees to those terms. No. Uh, no. Don't do it, pal. Don't do it. Never, never accept somebody's word on something like that. Get it in writing and have your legal team uh, review it. Even his, you know, his Chicago lawyer says, like, I wouldn't do this. But uh, yeah. he doesn't listen. Yeah. Always listen to your Chicago lawyers. Have the trial, have the trial in Chicago. That's always like the good thing, because then Billy Flynn will just get you off and you'll be declared the governor of the state you're being extradited to. That is true. Uh, Meanwhile, both Clint and his lawyer make impassioned pleas on his behalf. However, believe it or not, it turns out the pardon was a ruse to get him back into the chain gang. Uh, But Clint assures his brother that after a year served, he will be freed. Oh, that's good. However, after a year, Alan considers it the last straw when he learns the hearing on his case has been suspended indefinitely, which is just pretty. Yeah, it's I mean, you know, it's going to happen. You you see it coming and this whole time you're just shouting at the screen. No, 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 don't don't go back. Don't trust them. Yeah, just there. It's a ruse. And they these people have no honor. I think that's the whole thing. He's very he's very trusting. He was trusting of Pete, who got him into this situation in the first place when he robbed the hamburger place. And he's trusting of of the law, which he should be able to trust is part of the whole deal of the movie is that, you know, you should be able the chain gang is awful. And after he escapes the chain gang, they even try to make good on this promise. Like, well, you've made yourself, you know, a respectable citizen. Um, and there are these details of the case that were overlooked. We'll we'll reconsider and and give you a pardon. And of course, that's all a lie and it's all petty revenge for him going to the press and saying that the chain gang was awful. And I like how the movie preemptively addresses what the state would say in response to the movie by having the state say like, oh, well, all of these situations with the chain gangs are grossly exaggerated and blah, blah, blah. So 
they they knew what the state would say in response to this movie and absolutely and kind of cut it off at the knees yeah it was it's a it's a well-done piece of of propaganda and i don't mean that in a negative sense it's just no it's it gets its point across very effectively yeah it's what turned well warner brothers kind of into the socially conscious uh movie studio Uh is uh, kind of the yep they got they got uh, that reputation from this. That it did. Yeah, probably did more for them than it did for prison reform. But there you go. Right. Well, they did. They they did. Um, they did reform the prison system and got rid of chain gangs. Um, after so, I mean, oh, after yeah, this book and, and this movie and all the uh, outrage that it generated, it it did affect social change. It did absolutely, but you know, prison system still. Has right. a long way to go. Today. Yeah, the prison system's still not great, but no, but at least no more chain gangs that we know of, at least. Baby steps. Baby uh, steps. Ugh. <laughs> uh so Alan and the old inmate Bomber Wells, who had given him the seven dollars earlier, played by Edward Ellis, uh, they decide to make the break together this time. They convince one of the drivers his truck is stuck. Uh, so they're working on this breaking rocks situation again. And I guess the truck driver is dropping off some more rocks for them to break or something. It's a it's a dump truck. And he says, like, hey, yeah, your 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 truck is not going to get far because there's a spring broken or something like that. And the guy gets out to look. And as he gets out to look, they just jump in the cab and start driving away. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> I'm surprised no one tried that before. Yeah, a uh, a high stakes chase ensues. And uh, during the chase, Bomber is shot and rolls out of the car dead. But not not before doing some pretty heroic stuff himself by pulling out sticks of dynamite and kind of like blowing up cliff yeah. sides to, to slow down the police that are chasing them. Yeah. Bomber really goes out bombing away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess he earns his nickname after the fact, which is kind of weird, uh, <laughs> but uh, he kind of tells Alan, keep going, keep going. And he falls out of the car dead. And Alan tries to, uh, you know, drive back and pick up this guy's poor dead body and sees that the, uh, the people chasing him are coming down this bridge and um, he has time to break the uh, the the chains on his legs by using the gears on the truck to to. It's hard to describe. He breaks his chains yeah. and hurls dynamite it's, onto the again, bridge. Very risky for his foot, but he does it. Yeah, he almost gets crushed. But he's willing to do it just to get out of those chains. And he blows up the bridge that he just crossed and he doesn't kill the police. They they stop uh, before plummeting off the bridge, but they are stopped and he drives off on this truck and uh, presumably just escapes again. So a year passes, but Alan fights no reprieve on the road, constantly on the move as the newspapers continue to question his disappearance. He tracks down Helen to say goodbye. She calls after him as he disappears into the shadows. How will he live? He answers, I'll steal, as he stares bleakly ahead. And then the screen fades to black. Probably one of our darker endings. Yeah, yeah. It's it's almost like a throwaway line. Like, how will you live? He's like, I steal. It's just like. It's, it's, it's haunting. It's a haunting ending. Um, in probably one of the best lines I feel like in in movie history, and it's a little bit undercut by the 1930s movie fanfare music that ends yeah, the movie. Of course. It's always got to be. <laughs> I steal, and then it's you know darkness for a while, and then bum 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 bum. This has been a motion picture. Yeah. 
But pretty, yeah, this is a haunting film. And like I said, it, it helped put Warner Brothers on the map as a socially conscious uh, movie studio. And like you said, uh, the chain gang did suffer for this and uh, Georgia was not happy. So, so good. They did a good thing. This movie. <laughs> yeah, they did a good thing. Good thing with this movie. So well done. Well done, Marvin Leroy and Ed Company. Okay, so now that we've reviewed the plot of the movie, how about we get into rating it? How would oh, you let's. rate the acting? I'm going to be generous and give it a 10. I think, I mean, it really rests mostly on Mooney's shoulders, and he is just very, very, very good. Like, I don't know how else to say it. He was fantastic. He was sincere. You could, his face, you could just see the pain and the anger, and you could feel it on his behalf. Um, there are also, I think, um, uh, let's see, what, what was his name again, who played Bomber Ellis? Uh, Ed, Bomber Wells, uh, Edward Ellis, I think, also does a very good job as Bomber. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, Glenda Farrell is a very effective bad girl as Marie. So, yeah, I think uh, all across the board, excellent performances. What say you? I'm also going to give it a 10 because... Uh... Mooney did a fantastic job and everyone around him also did a fantastic job of making their characters come to life. They were very effective. Mm-hmm. Um, the somewhat comic characters were, you know, effectively tragicomic. Um, and the uh, the characters that were kind of dopey and you wanted to shake like Clint, um, very shakable. Yep. It, uh, it overall, uh, you know, it it just it was just a fantastic example of acting. Yep, it was. You know, apparently James Cagney was considered for the role of uh, James Allen, and he would have been great too. But I'm glad Mooney got this role. Yeah, he really, really made it great. Um, so double tens for us doing well so far going into the next category yeah. writing. I thought it was written pretty well. There are certain there are certain holes and uh, kind of suspensions of disbelief going on. But yeah, one thing that, you know, we're, when he first comes back, you know, there's this very beautiful uh, girl uh, with his mother who I thought we were going to have a little romance with, but we never see her again. And I do think it got maybe a little kind of over, like uh, a hammer on the head, obvious kind of sanctimonious with the uh, the lawyers pleading the case. I mean, I'm glad they went there because it did affect prison reform, but you know, it can, it can get a little preachy. So I'll give it a seven. I think I'm writing. All right, seven on writing from you. I'm going to be a little bit more generous and give it. Um, hmm, I'm debating actually between an eight or even a nine. Um, I thought it was great despite its holes and the characters that kind of appear and disappear. Uh, yeah, and also I feel like they really missed a. A point like you you pointed out earlier that they had him not even really be part of the robbery kind of being part of it under duress just to make yeah, him extra like, and I was like uh I think it would have been effective if it was just a straight telling of this man's story but I agree I am gonna go ahead I'll I'll give it an eight I guess that's good that's fair Okay, so we're up next on cinematography. I am going to flat out just say right now, I'm going to give it a 10. The group scenes of, well, the chase scenes are fantastic. The Yes, that's true. The group scenes on the quarry are harrowing, very effective. You see this long line of people just being forced to swing these picks in unison. Um, you see and different shots of them just sitting around breaking rocks at different rates, depending on how destroyed they are on the inside and outside. Um, Right. The scene at the very end that is shot in, you know, not in complete darkness, but in darkness as 
uh, Helen, you know, pleads with him to stay with her, to accept money from her or something like that. And he says that he steals and disappears into the darkness. I thought that was just really effective cinematography there. Yeah, that was I agree. I'll match your 10 for those exact reasons. It was just, yeah, especially that party shot. Well, I guess there's, you know, a story that they didn't need to shoot it that way, but technical issues happened where they had to kind of fade out like that. But a lot of people think that's apocryphal. They did need to shoot it that way. Either way, very lasty, very lasty. So, yep, 10. All right. And our last major category is overall. Um what do you think? I mean, we've given it Boy. a 10 in acting and a 10 in cinematography. I'm going to have to, you know, this might be the time where even though I think the writing, you know, could have been better or whatnot, it comes together in such a chilling way. I think I might have to give it a 10. Give it a solid 10. Yeah. All right. I am going to I was debating between nine and ten. I'm going to go with a nine. All right. Just because, well. Hmm. No, I can't really justify not giving it a ten. So I'm going (laughs) to give it I'm going to give it a ten. It's it's a very effective movie. Um. And I mean, not exactly what I'd really want to watch again because it's just right, intense. Right, right. Let me say, it's not as feel good as Lady for a Day. I, you know, that's the best way to summarize it. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird one to follow up after Lady for a Day. <laughs> I kind of wish we'd watched this one first because I feel like Lady for a Day would have been a good little uh, mood lifter. <laughs> but uh, no, that doesn't detract from the overall effect for sure. All right, so going into the bonus rounds, it already has 75 points, which makes it already, without any bonus points, equal with East Lynn. (laughs) Interesting. Oh, that's funny. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And uh, who was in a similar position, and by similar, I mean exact same number in terms of points, was Little Caesar. Which also... Okay. Yeah, yeah, which also starred uh, Glenda, so... Glenda, you're your good luck for movies, girl. Uh, sound, sounding pretty good going into the bonus rounds, the first of which is costumes and set. I feel well, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it. they did a a good job with the contrast between him being scruffy and not um, kind of living not on scruffy the land. And, and, you know, the sets aren't, you know, glamorous, but they're, you know, the set pieces for the chase scenes with the bridges are fantastic. So I'll give it a five just on that. On a five, and I'm going to, hmm. I need to give it a four, just four bonus points because I'm I'm not giving it a full five just because it's not a really set intensive movie. That's true. I mean, I I mean, it's set intensive in that you need duty to have like this is the grueling conditions they were in. This is how he escaped, and I thought those were done very well. But yeah, it's not like it's no period piece. It's not going right. to have be there. You're not going to go for the glamour or the glitz. All right. Next up, we have boldness. Um, it, the only count against it, I would say, is not having him be an actual criminal. That's, yeah, actually changed mine to a four. I do wish they had just gone that route. I mean, it's like it would not have detracted from, I mean, we saw what miserable circumstances he was in beforehand. I mean, one scene we neglected to mention before he's ever arrested is he has to, he's, he tries to hawk his medal that he uh, earned in the war only for the pawn shop owner to show him a whole box full of medals people have hawked. And so it's like, I would not have had any less sympathy for him if he did try to like steal just a measly $6 to get by. It still would not have warranted a chain keg. So yeah, I, for just because I wish they had actually showed him steal something. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It, it's the one the one mark against it. And I mean, but the rest of it throughout, they really, really hammer home how just inhumane this whole system is to everyone. Um, I think it was bold of them to include the the uh, 
the people of color. Um, mm-hmm. As sad as that is, but I mean, it is a commentary <laughs> that they had to point out as well. Is like you can't do this to people regardless of what they look like. Yeah. Um. So, and also it, it you know it cheesed off Georgia enough to to have them try to ban it. And also, I guess uh, they so like some uh, cops wrote letters or wardens wrote letters saying, "You bet, you all better not come down to Georgia, or you'll get some of our our justice." So, really threatening situations, honestly. Yeah, yeah, and you know, let's talk about you know freedom of speech and whatnot. We can get into it, but yeah, and I mean, it was just really biting and. Mm-hmm. It uh it was effective for sure. And our next category, speaking of uh, people talking about them getting it and everything like that, how about legacy? They I'm actually made a, a change in the world. They made a change in the world. And if you just want to talk uh, movie systems, you know, Warner Brothers, I think this really helped put them on the map and uh, really helped give money to the studio and of course the social change. So five. Yeah. And there are also similar movies that came after it. I mean, you think about pretty much any movie criticizing the uh, prison system. <laughs> you can even say yeah. that the TV series and the movie, the fugitive was not dissimilar. Um, no, no green mile and, and everything like that. That's the one I'm thinking of correctly. That's the one with the, with the prison guard and a prisoner. Yep. Right. Shawshank Redemption, too. Shawshank, yeah. A lot of great movies. Oh, yeah. All right. Again, not feel good, but... Yeah, you know. exactly. <laughs> um, longevity. How well does this movie stand up over time? I think I think that it does. It's not dated. It does, yeah. R- really? What, what do you think? I... I, uh, I'd say, yeah, I'd give it a four. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what I'm even taking the point off for. Um, you could have had people of color having lines. Well paced. What's that? You could have had people of color having lines. That would have been nice. That would have been nice. I mean, uh, yeah. And uh, I'm sure there are people out there who would, you know, claim that Marie is kind of a sexist caricature, but I don't know. Sometimes women can be just as awful as guys. It could be predators too. I think that's fair to uh, portray that. Um, yeah, I, she's... Do, I do wish there had been like better development for Helen, but you know, those are really small quibbles, but they probably do take a little bit away from uh, longevity. So I think I will go ahead and just give that a four. What do you think? I, I'm going to match her four. Um, it's, it holds up really well. Um, Someone to characterizations and missing characterizations, like you pointed out, are uh, it's it, it, we would have done better this time around, I think. Yeah, I, I like to believe I like to believe that in 2021, we would make a movie that's a little bit more inclusive. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I do have to say, because this reminds me. Actually, take off a point at costumes and sets. Give give me a four because, yeah, they really could have had a woman who wasn't blonde and uh, <laughs> dressed exactly alike, like Cassandra pointed out. It was hard. Every single woman was a pretty blonde dressed exactly the same. I couldn't tell them apart. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I forgot to bring that up. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll dock a point from uh, costumes and set for you. It. Uh, Thank you. All all Justice of these actresses looked pretty similar. Same hair, pretty same similar. makeup style, same same build. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is not, you know, their fault. It's just kind of like if you can't make different characters and have them basically use the same wardrobe. Um, yeah. It's just difficult when it comes to movies, even if, you know, they are technically of the same social class and whatnot and would be dressing similarly. But again, minor quibble, I think. And our last category is uh, technical. I think I'm going to give them some solid points here for, you know, the dynamite and, and I was just thinking that 
the thrilling like car chases and things like that. That was that didn't feel dated to me Uh-oh. at all. No. And the, the so effects looked good. Yeah, Very impressive. I'm I'm also going to match your five just because I don't think we've really seen another movie like that. Mm-mm. Um, and that puts I am a fugitive from a chain gang at a very solid 119 points. And I'm going to have to check if it's not quite our highest. Little Caesar was a little bit ahead. Um, but we're talking about Public Enemy, Blue Angel. Um, let's see. You know, else? the movies that weren't nominated that should have been. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, Five Star Final, which uh, we gave it to. Uh, Grand Hotel, which we all almost gave the overall not screw to. Um, <laughs> it is exactly even with All Quiet on the Western Front. And I feel I like that's fair. Yeah, that's very fair because they're very similar movies. Well, like you said, this could be if you think of this as a sequel to All Quiet on the Western Front, you you just get a big old case of depression. Yeah. Imagine going through all the events of All Quiet and then coming home and you can't find a job and you get arrested and, and put into a chain gang. I'd be pretty I'd be a, I, I kind of turn into a cynic after that. I, I would be pretty bummed. Yeah. All right. And our final question, of course, is whether we are going to award this or nominate it the prestigious Notsker, the movie award podcast movie award for movies. Well, I'd like to give you an answer, but unfortunately, the hearing has been indefinitely suspended. So I can. Yes, I'm going to give it an Oscar nom. I will also give it an Oscar nomination. It was a fantastic movie with an interesting title. Uh, <laughs> hey, it sticks in your mind, right? Yeah, it does. Well, yeah, it definitely does. It's very plain. I, I think that that was on purpose. It's just very straightforward. This is what the movie is. I am a fugitive from yep. a chain gang. That's what it's about. And that's, you know, Deal plain with and it. simple. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All I right. Think that's our episode for today. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Comeback a Star. You can find us uh, on Facebook. If you just type in Comeback a Star, I'm sure we'll show up in the search. On either platform or on email, you could also email us at comebackastarpodcast at gmail.com. Any of those platforms, you can, you know, share whether you think we're wrong or right or just kind of give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down if you want. You can also do that on the iTunes reviews. That's also a helpful avenue for feedback. Uh, We'd love to hear your feedback. We'd love to hear you translate movies into um, a similar title format as uh, I'm a fugitive on a chain gang. So things like I'm a dinosaur in a theme park um, or the other ones that I came up with. Um, I am a mermaid in the city. Yeah. I am a gangster who is taking over from my father. Um, yeah. Any, yeah, any- we should just translate every big Oscar winner into this format. Like, uh, uh, I am a survivor of Titanic. I am. Yeah, this could just go on and on. Yeah, there we go. Um, Yeah, that would be fun. If you guys want to participate in that, that'll be uh, just jazzy. Um, And I think that's all I have for announcements. Um, We might be missing a week uh, just due to scheduling conflicts, but uh, I'll try to keep all of these rolling out one one every week. And I mean, um, thank you all, all for John listening. That's all by the way. So many kudos to you, friend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to keep up here. Um, ah, it could be tough. Thank you for giving us a listen and uh, share us with your friends. And I think that's all I have to say for now. So I'm going to turn off this projector and draw the curtains and bid you all goodbye. Take it easy. Don't get arrested and put in a chain game, please. Yeah, please don't. Bye bye. Bye.